There is no other institution that has the ability uniquely, without a heritage, every generation starts over, to remind the current regime, we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do, to get back in their box and stay there. From the Heritage Foundation, this is Heritage Explains. Here at the Heritage Foundation, it is not at all unusual to see some of our people and projects on the news. In fact, we spend a lot of time encouraging just that kind of thing, getting conservative policy ideas out there. But in recent months, one of our projects here at the Heritage Foundation has been getting a lot of media attention, and it's probably going to get a lot more. But it turns out that some folks are not quite as excited about this particular project as we are, including those folks over at CNN and MSNBC. In fact, we edited together a quick video with some of their comments for our social channels. Of course, on a podcast, you can't see the visuals, but the audio gets their take across just fine. We begin tonight with a terrifying concept. A frightening article. They're calling it Project 2025. Incredibly important reporting people need to pay attention to. This plan that they want to put in place if the Republican Party wins the presidency upon the inauguration. According to the New York Times, those plans include bringing independent agencies under direct presidential control. It's kind of being pitched under the guise of dismantling the administrative state. They say they would plan to do this with any Republican president. It's about deregulation. It's about deconstructing the administrative state. There's a network of conservative groups who are backing this effort, like the Heritage Foundation. Take this very seriously. Don't think this is a joke. It is incredibly alarming. Frightening development. You don't have to be a civics dork to know that you don't want that. (laughs) We've never seen anything like this in American history. So what are we working on that's got left-wing media so up in arms? Well, of course, it's the Presidential Transition Project here at the Heritage Foundation, better known as Project 2025. But is it really all that dark and disturbing as CNN and MSNBC make it out to be? To find out, I sat down with Spencer Chrétien, the Associate Director of Project 2025 here at the Heritage Foundation. Spencer Chrétien, welcome to Heritage Explains. Thank you for having me. You're currently the Associate Director of Project 2025 here at the Heritage Foundation. But before then, you had various posts in and around the federal government. Did you always know that you wanted to be a government person, work in public policy? Well, I think so. I always liked politics as a kid and have been fortunate to work in the conservative movement and in the Trump administration and currently really enjoying my role as associate director of the 2025 Presidential Transition Project, which is housed here at Heritage and now includes more than 70 other organizations that have all come together, which is pretty rare in D.C. It's an honor to be a part of it. So that's a little bit of an interesting contradiction because you seem like a nice guy. You seem like a really clean cut guy. But according to MSNBC, you are part of a radical far right plan to purge and restructure the United States government. Um, You don't seem like you're that mean of a guy. What's going on here? Well, it's not exactly a surprise that the liberal media is attacking Project 2025. What we want to do is make sure that the next conservative president is a success. There are institutions that are controlled by the left. 
that make it difficult for conservative presidents to succeed. I'm the child of a career federal employee. We're not out to to hurt the federal workforce or radically restructure the whole system or anything like that. What we want to do is make sure that the next conservative president has the supportive staff that he or she is going to need. We want to make sure that we unite around the policies that are going to restore this country. We want to make sure that people come to Washington to work for the next president and that those folks are trained up ahead of time so they know what to expect. The left has massive built-in advantages with respect to serving in government, with respect to navigating the immense federal bureaucracy. And Project 2025 is about bridging those gaps, building that infrastructure on the right. It will outlast 2025. But it's not about any one candidate or one election. It really hopefully will will serve as the permanent home for the conservative movement to go into presidential administrations and to work hard on behalf of conservative presidents. And the other thing I would say to the critics is if you think there's no waste in the government, if you appreciate the fact that we have this unelected, unaccountable fourth branch of government, the administrative state, we have people like Dr. Fauci who are exerting massive influence in the lives of everyday Americans. If you think it's true that 99% of career federal employees are currently doing a fully satisfactory job or better, which is how they're currently evaluated, 99%. If you think all that, well, then Project 2025 is not for you. But if you think we can do better, if we think if you think that there's an, an alternative path, then join Project 2025 because that's what that's what we're going for. So Project 2025 is so named because there will be a new president sworn in in 2025 after the 2024 election, and the primary reason, as I'm understanding you stated, is that. The administrative state, the existing federal bureaucracy, is really there to stymie that president who's been legitimately elected and put in place by the people. And you've just done it a little bit. But give us a little bit more background on the administrative state. What are we talking about when we talk about that? Sure. Well, our constitution lays out three branches of government. What we've had emerge over the last hundred years or even more than that is the fourth branch of government that we weren't supposed to have. That's called the administrative state, the deep state, the permanent bureaucracy. It's the part of the government that doesn't change. And it's very large. There are 2.2 million full-time non-military federal employees. At any given point, there are between 16 million and 20 million federal contractors. Wow. Uh, If you are a senator or a member of Congress, you have maybe a dozen people, 15 people on your staff. If you're a U.S. senator, maybe 30 or 40 people on your staff. The Congressional Research Service, there are several thousand people who work for the legislative branch. If you're on the Supreme Court, you have four clerks per term. If you're a lower judge, you got a few clerks. So the executive branch, 2.2 million. So it's clear that within the executive branch, it's a lot bigger, and you got a, a whole fourth branch there, the administrative state. So uh, you're talking about people who are working for the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA. <clears throat> you're also talking about Department of Agriculture and Education. And when we talk about all these agencies, those are all part of the administrative state. Yes, and they don't change with when a new president comes in. They're not responsive to elections. And so... You could have somebody who is in a role who works at an agency, maybe like the Department of Health and Human Services, works there for 30 years, 40 years, makes a career out of it. That's a fine thing. But 
the political control of the administrative state needs to be the political appointees who work for the president. There are two basic schools of thought. One is the view of Woodrow Wilson, who is called the father of public administration. This is the view that we have now. This is the view that's been built up over over the time since his presidency, basically. And the view is basically that the whole government needs to be run by nonpartisan technical experts, and that the only thing that matters is experience, the only thing that matters is expertise, uh, how many degrees you have to work for the government, that's the most important thing, and the political aspect of it is just superfluous. Um, The other point of view is our point of view. This view is associated with, uh, you know, with President Trump, President Reagan, actually President Jimmy Carter a, a little bit as well. But the, this is the view uh, in favor of political management of the bureaucracy. Our view is that the management of the bureaucracy is a task that is inherently political. You can't take the politics out of politics. And we need to have robust political control of that vast federal bureaucracy. And the folks who are in policy making positions should be reportable to the president. So in other words, your vote should also count towards what's going on within the administrative state. That's a very good, very good way to put it. Can you talk about the pillars of Project 2025? What actually goes into this whole project? Sure. Well, the project is organized into four pillars, and each of those is unique, but also they're all interconnected with one another. The first pillar is our more than 900-page volume called Mandate for Leadership. It's available for free at project2025.org. You can order a copy there as well. And Mandate for Leadership goes agency by agency through the federal government. Each chapter corresponds to one agency. Some of the chapters deal with multiple smaller agencies. But every chapter goes through one agency, and it outlines what the next conservative president needs to do, what a, a success would look like at that agency. So if you've ever wanted to dive in on the Department of Housing and Urban Development, if you want to dive in on the Department of Agriculture, you can read the chapter, and that kind of gives you a 10,000-foot level view of how a conservative president needs to be running that agency. And We produced this book in April 2023. That's when it was published. We wrote it last year. We had hundreds of people contributing to it. Each chapter has a primary author. Um, Each chapter had a team of contributors. And it's not meant to settle every single little disagreement, but it's meant to unite the conservative movement behind these basic principles um, and outline, deliver to the next president and his or her team, hey, this is what you got to be doing at each federal agency. And so we had a, a wide group of authors. That's the first pillar of Project 2025, Mandate for Leadership. The second pillar of the project is our presidential personnel database. And what we've done is we are recruiting now the people who are going to come to Washington in 2025 to work for the next president. We have engaged in building this personnel database. It's live at project2025.org. And if you want to serve the next president, whatever background you have, whatever level of, of experience you have, you can make your profile, create your profile in the database, tell Project 2025 what it is that you want to do, what agencies are of most interest to you, what are your political experiences. And 
it's a big undertaking, but this database hopefully will be the funnel for personnel into the next administration. Because that's actually a major issue. I mean, you've done some of this work in presidential administrations before. One of the issues is finding enough qualified candidates to fill these political positions when a new president comes in. That's right. So these people are the people who manage or who at least are supposed to manage the rest of the bureaucracy. So that 2.2 million federal employees, that number I gave earlier, traditionally the president has only between three and 4,000 people who are political appointees who sit atop the bureaucracy. And that's if you get them all confirmed. So there are some that require Senate confirmation. Those are cabinet secretaries, most undersecretaries, assistant secretaries. Uh, But then you also have some who are appointed by the president without Senate confirmation. And then you also have members of the senior executive service and then the Schedule C political appointees. So this is all part of the accepted federal service. For the competitive service, that's the normal, what we might think of as the normal bureaucratic jobs. But for the accepted service, those are the people who work at the pleasure of the president. And we need we need new blood in Washington. We need more to come from outside Washington. We need to train them up ahead of time, which gets me into pillar three. Our third pillar of Project 2025 is our academy, our, our presidential administration academy. And this is also online at project2025.org. And it is classes, lectures, helpful tips that you need to know if you're going to be working in the government, if you're going to be serving at the pleasure of the president. Everything from how to deal with the media to the security clearance paperwork, financial disclosures, what the political hiring process is like. And our side faces real challenges when it comes to getting trained up ahead of time. When you get to an agency and you're working on behalf of the president, maybe you're the only political appointee in your office. Maybe there's one other political appointee in your office. You don't know what to do. There's no owner's manual on the desk. People who uh, you're working with in the career bureaucracy have been there for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, We do need some of that institutional knowledge, but it's also important that we, uh, you know, we have in mind what the president's agenda is for that agency. And that's the agenda that people are tasked with implementing. We need to train them up ahead of time. So that's the third pillar of Project 2025. And then the fourth pillar of Project 2025 is our playbook. What we're doing is writing transition plans for each agency. We're taking the big ideas and the big 900-page book and actually getting more granular, writing out a detailed 180-day plan for the next administration. The reason it's 180 days is because that's when the new president is going to have the most political capital, the first six months of the administration. Key things need to be done. And once you get past that time frame, it's almost that you're out of time. So the first day, the first week, the first few months of the administration are really critical, and that's what we're honing in on for Pillar 4. Excellent. So you've talked about some of the objections that people have raised. There's been a a certain amount of furor in the media. One of those is that you are taking independent, the word being used, independent experts in the bureaucracy, and you are submitting them to federal control, and you're creating a quasi-dictatorship around the president. Can you respond to that point? And then are there any others that have been floating out there that would be good to talk about? Sure. Well, the ironic thing is that we're the people who want 
a less powerful federal government. We want the federal government to be reduced in its size and scope. We actually call for the closure of certain agencies in our policy book mandate for leadership. We want to close down entire departments. We are the people who believe in decentralized power. We want to turn over more power to the states, localities, local communities, tribal governments. When it comes to health care and education and welfare, protecting our environment, we, we want to move some of those functions out of Washington, D.C. So, so that's the first thing. You know, we want the federal government to exert less influence in the everyday American's life. We want to reduce Washington's size and scope, reduce the footprint of Washington, make America bigger and Washington smaller. So we're the people who want less government. Now, with respect to the uh, executive branch and the other federal branches, we believe in robust checks and balances. We believe that the president absolutely should be checked by Congress and the courts as our constitution lays out. What we don't believe is that there should be a fourth branch of government We don't believe that the president should get elected and then not be able to do anything because the bureaucracy is against the next conservative president. So we're trying to we're we're saying that, look, the executive branch is controlled by the president. He's the one who's elected or one day she's the one who's elected. The president has an agenda and the folks who work in Washington, the folks in the executive branch are tasked with implementing that agenda and so that's our overall our overall view of this. When you certainly if you're a political appointee, you're working on behalf of the president, your job is to to get the agenda through. And if you are a career civil servant, you don't make policy. The policy making roles are for the political appointees. But we certainly need some of that technical expertise. I think there's definitely a place for a robust civil service. Any country needs that. But the political control of the bureaucracy is what we're going for. And again, we want to reduce the size of the federal government. So, of course, the media has been hostile to Project 2025. What have you found the response to be from within the conservative movement, from campaigns? What are people saying about Project 2025? People are excited about it. We now have more than 70 conservative organizations that are members on our advisory board. We've got people of all levels of experience We have more socially conservative members, fiscally conservative members, populist, libertarian. We've got everybody inside D.C. We've got groups that are outside D.C. So the movement's coming together behind Project 2025. And it's exciting because this has never been done before. This is we're building the car as we drive it. But people are eager to get involved And I think everybody has a story. Everybody who has served in a conservative administration before has a story. Everybody who's watched from Washington, who's been in the political world, everybody has experiences to share. And we need all of those. We need to build on the many past successes that we've had in conservative presidencies. We also need to learn from those times when we left things on the table and those missed opportunities. And so that's what this project is about. And it continues to grow. We continue to get more interest, more organizations are joining, and we really want to be ready on day one. Thank you to Spencer Kretien for his contribution to this episode. You can find out more about Project 2025 by heading to the website, project2025.org. There you can download the book, sign up for the database, and learn about what it takes to serve in the next presidential administration. 
It's a great site. I definitely encourage you to check it out. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, send them our way at heritageexplains at heritage.org. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It's written and produced by Mark Guiney, Lauren Evans, and John Pop.